Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We got Colin Brister on for a briefer pod today, but a little bit of a Florida free preview and a look around the SEC is an important weekend for the Rebels awaits and we got into a little bit of another injury news uh on the pitching front for Ole Miss so uh weekend preview hopefully they get uh three games in I think the weather looks fine every day other than Friday but uh anyway thank you enjoy the conversation buckle up before we get to that though I want to remind you podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks who is Skybox Sports Picks well glad you asked they're the world's best gambling handicapping website the inventors of the Skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry if you're in march madness and you're not using skybox you're probably having to pay out the bookie today don't recommend what i do recommend using skybox sports picks they're the only way to profit in the long run they hit it well over 60 percent in college hoops every year it is their bread and butter that is the best strongest point of their algorithm you need to check them out just go online their march madness package is out on the site you can use it next weekend try to rebound for the sweet 16 just go on there snag it use the promo code rippy r-i-p-p-e-e and that'll give you 20 percent off you can use skybox for pretty much any sport you want to they've got um some nba playoff stuff coming up they will have they've got the nascar package on the site and then of course football season will be here before you know it check them out skyboxsportspicks.com Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. It's three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks just for subscribing to a free newsletter. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat. They got all kinds of sausages, fresh seafood. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers are always a nice place to go, too. Check them out. Find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, my man Colin Brister. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening as the Rebels are set to face. Um, and a pretty important weekend, and I'll get to that. I'll set that up in a second. But um, who wants some injury news? Are you tired of the injury news? This team's had too much health this year. Um, uh, uh, they have uh, some okay. injury news to start out. Have you seen so, this? So, so, so for uh, reference, I uh, I got on Rebel Grove today. I saw Matt Parento, uh, his name on the front of the board, and I just assumed. I didn't even click on Chase. I just assumed he's out for the year and he's going to need Tommy John. Uh, am I right? Yes. Um, is that at least that's the way it is trending. I don't think I'm disclosing any sort of behind the paywall reporting. I'm always kind of careful about that. Um, with Rebel Grove and Chase on that. I believe it was disclosed after the game last night. Um, he had some sort of kind of minor UCL injury. It sounded um similar to Elliot at some point in the fall. They kind of sat him down, rehabbed it, and then he's kind of faded since, and it all signs p- appear to point toward him needing Tommy John. And again, Matt Parento, not a huge contributor so far, but it's too early in the season to tell who is and isn't a huge contributor yet. Like, would I have bet on Matt Parento being a linchpin piece of this bullpen? Um, Not necessarily, but hell, I don't know. I wouldn't have bet on Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott because uh, just essentially goddess gods for the last well, season. You know what I mean? So much can change. And this team yeah. hardly has any room to lose any more options, and it sounds like they've lost another potential option. Well, it just seems like the hits keep on coming. 
quick question. Um, a year ago from today, so March, what, 22nd, 2022, um, one of the best years of my life, um, would you have bet on Josh Mallett's closing out a Super Regional? No. <laughs> so, like, and I, again, like you said, I, would I bet on this kid, you know, maybe being the, the, the stalwart of the Ole Miss bullpen? No, but it's another arm that's on the active roster that can't pitch. And at some point, when you talk about arms on the active roster that can't pitch, you're talking about Hunter Elliott, you're talking about Matt Parenta, you're talking about um, Riley Maddox. Like, at some point, Josh Mallett, well, I don't guess Mallett is on the active roster. But still, it's people within your program. You're, you're, at some point, you're just – it's a numbers game and you're running out of dudes. Like, you know, I, I, man, it's <sighs> – I hate the phrase, um, and I'm not going to cuss, but I, I hate the phrase crap happens because, like, it happens to everybody. But sometimes it's just accurate. Like, sometimes you just have crap luck, and it just, for whatever reason, feels like that's the Ole Miss's case so far this year. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's it's a weird dynamic because, you know, I was in the process before we started recording this of writing, like, a newsletter sort of about the injuries and the compounding effects of them. But it's a weird, it's a weird scenario because it's not like they had an incumbent Friday and Saturday guy and both went down before the season. I guess old Mrs. Friday died, did go down one weekend of the season, but it's not like they lost two to three guys that you knew were going to be crucial linchpin pieces of like a starting rotation or something like that. But he lost a very valuable contributor in Mallets, and who knows what his role would have turned into this year before the year. Then you lose Elliott for a good portion of it. I think that's fair to characterized at that point and then you lose kind of a fringe guy in Parento and um Riley Maddox you don't really know what he is yet but you know there's a lot of promise there um like he's not ready yet and so it's like I don't know if I would call the injuries like catastrophic yet but they're significant if that makes any sense it's like that weird middle ground where it feels like they're like one more away from it being like okay I don't exactly know what they do to piece together 27 innings over the course of a weekend um and you're, yes, you're right. It's getting to that point. It's like, how, how do you get 81 outs in a weekend? Um, I, I've seen this on Twitter and some other places. I, I do not put any blame on the coaching staff for the amount of injuries. Sometimes things just happen and kids get hurt and it is what it is. Like I, I've seen people like, oh, oh, are they doing anything? To-? No. They, they, this program has been one where arms were were very very well taken care of, um, regardless of what Keith Law might tell you. Um, sometimes it just happens, and and unfortunately it has happened to Ole Miss this year. But I, I I've seen that narrative start to come out. There is no way I would put any of this on on the guy wearing number five or, or Carl or, or anybody. Sometimes sometimes bad things just happen, and and I hope that people can understand and 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 don't try to put blame on on, on those guys. Yes, it's not always someone's fault when it comes to yeah. injuries, right? Sometimes things just happen, and this happens at other programs throughout the country every year. And, you know, it's weird. Pre-Gunner injury 2021? One. Yeah. yeah, okay. Two. Man, these years are running together. I know uh, it. Pre-2021, Ole Miss had had a kind of a, I don't want to say ridiculously, but very fortunate built, like, clean bill of health when it came to, like, predominant starters, contributors, closers, whatever you want. The, the guys, the dudes yeah. on the pitching staff, they'd had a pretty nice run, a clean bill of health. Like, I, what was the last major pitching injury pre-Gunner? Can you remember it? There was like, damn, they, I don't know how they're going to stay afloat with this. 
Um, I'm just trying to go back through the years and, and I really, you know, I can't recall one off the top of my head, um, at all, to be honest, the last one, the major arm injury I remember is 2009 Scott Biddle, who I think is still day to day. Um, so no, like you, you going back through the years and I, I just kind of went through the starters in my head and, you know, I'm trying to think of the bullpen guys, but I really can't think of anything there either. Um, so no, it's, it's, they've had some, some, you know, they, they've not had a whole, a whole rash of injuries and for whatever reason, it's just kind of, um, reared its ugly head this year. And so on the surface, you know, Matt Parento was not going to make, make this team sink or swim. Like that don't, sure. I don't think that is the tipping point, but it just inches you a little bit closer to that tipping point, because as you alluded to, it's just kind of sheerly a numbers game, um, and again, at a certain point, you got to have options. Like I think last year taught us that as well as anything, where it's like, you know, you mentioned the Mallets thing closing out a super regional. Like, would you, would you have bet on Dylan Delusia becoming a real Friday night dude and then Hunter Elliott becoming basically a Friday night dude who pitched on Saturday as a true freshman? I wouldn't have either. But, you know, they were available and they were options. And, then, you know, Mike had that stretch in early March where it was like, all right, I'm going to try anything and everything, try anyone and everyone. And when the everyone becomes smaller, your chances of success naturally just become smaller because you don't have as many options. And that's that's kind of what is reflected in this injury on its own. And then again, it just seems like the hits keep on coming for a team that can't stay healthy on the mound. At what point? And, and look, I don't want to do this because Matt Parento's down, but I, I will. I will ask you this: At what point is it is it fair that the expectations change for this team? Is it is it now, or, or, or do you kind of wait a little bit um, and see how a few weekends go? But um, assuming that you know almost doesn't sweep through the next few weekends, do, do you think the expectations of what this team can be kind of kind of uh, soften a little bit? That's a good question. I mean, to some degree, don't you think they already have? I mean, we talked about it on the Sunday pod after Ole Miss was swept by Vanderbilt a couple of days ago about how, hey, maybe the scenario with this team is you just try to survive, get in the postseason, and hope you're healthy and right by the postseason. I mean, that in and of itself is an expectation change because I think at the beginning of the year, yeah. you figured they returned enough on the mound. It's like, okay, this team could be in contention with this offense for a host spot. And hell, if the pitching shores up as well or better than maybe we think it might could, they could be in contention for a national seed. And who knows, sky's the limit. You could go back to Omaha. I don't think anyone thought oh, that was an out-of-reach expectation for this team. I don't necessarily think that at this point, but I do think that in and of itself is an expectation change, isn't it? It's like, all right, let's just see if this team can get to the postseason and get right. So yeah. I think, yes, it already has in, in some ways. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. But if it continues this way and you lose someone else, and it doesn't even have to be just a pitcher, it'd be kind of be like, all right, like you really got to change what the ceiling for this team is, not just where they could stand on Selection Sunday or Selection Monday. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, you know, obviously the next few weekends can change this. Um, I, I know it's not, you know, uh, 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 so I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, we had a game last night. I did not um, watch pitch. I have not looked at a box score. Is there anything that I need to know from last night's game that is important? Not really. Um, okay. Ole Miss struggled the through the first few innings offensively and then kind of found some life late and seemed to pitch it pretty well. JT uh, Quinn looked pretty good for the most part. It was kind of a bullpen day. They played better. I would say that's the one significant case. I know it's Pine Bluff. I know they suck. I know it's hard to tell anything, but it did feel like they played better, particularly in the later innings. Um, You know, you're, you're right that it is Pine Bluff. Um, And again, didn't watch pitch. Quite frankly, I don't know the score. Uh, um, uh, Last night was a late night. So, 
but I will say this. Um, you can get things from games like this. If you remember three years ago, right, um, Zach Phillips had, had come out of the rotation, throws a no-hitter against um, – or, or, or starts and, and throws, you know, six no-hit innings against Pine Bluff. And that's when he kind of turned into a, a midweek, really good midweek guy and a guy that gave Ole Miss a lot of good innings um, on the back end of the year for, for, for the Rebels in 2019. Um not saying that's going to happen, but but I don't think that those games are completely meaningless either. Um, so I'd be a guy like JT Quinn gets some confidence, um, and and that helps you going forward. So I do think games like that can can certainly help. Uh, maybe some younger guys or some less experienced guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the Zach Phillips example is is a good one because that kind of came after the fall, right? He was really rough. Like he had a rough go of it as the Saturday right. guy. And it was like, all right, well, how do you use this guy? And I think we, but I remember at the time, others being like, I don't think you can just file this dude away. I don't necessarily know how he's used. Maybe the midweek seemed like the best way to do it. Because remember, if I remember correctly, he's a dude that struggled to inherit runners. They tried him out of the pen a little bit. Yeah. And it didn't really work that way. And he became an invaluable four starter. So you're right. Like you can tell some game, like something from games like that, even if the opponent is not the strongest. So Ole Miss played a little bit better, but honestly, all eyes kind of point towards this weekend because Ole Miss now, because they got swept at Vanderbilt, obviously sits at 0-3 in the league. You're playing, you bring a team to town in Florida who's playing really well. They swing the hell out of the baseball and they've pitched it pretty damn good so far. And it's going to be another tough test when you're kind of reeling overall as a baseball team. And, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. Ole Miss can't afford to start 0-6. I mean, you're really chasing the season at that point. They need two wins this weekend, and it is going to be one tough task because, you know, you look at some of Florida's pitching numbers. They have three really good starters prone to some walks. Um, ERA's okay. Um, You know, the runs allowed, I think they're top four in the league in terms of total runs allowed, but there's been some give there. But point being, it does seem like a pitching mismatch given what Ole Miss is dealing with. And then you had an offense struggle against good pitching last weekend. So it seems like it will be an uphill battle for the Rebels, but it's really one they need to find a way to win. Um, Yeah, no, and, and I'll say this, Um, you know, look, last year notwithstanding, I feel like when we do historical things, like obviously the national championship is a historical thing. When we talk about things that happened last year, I just feel like, you know, maybe last year shouldn't count. Like, you know, they were terrible at home last year, like got awful. I feel like I should be able to say Ole Miss usually wins series like this at home, even though last year that kind of happened, um, if, if you know what I mean. I think Ole Miss wins this series because it's at home and it's going to be nice weather and there's going to be 10,000 people there and Ole Miss just kind of always wins these series. So I think Ole Miss is going to play well and I think they're going to win this series. Don't don't ask me how, don't ask me why. Um, I don't necessarily think Ole Miss is a better team than Florida, but Ole Miss just kind of finds a way to usually win this these series when they're a good baseball team. And they are facing a guy that they've had some history with. Hurston Waldrop will be Florida Saturday yep. guy. Ole Miss had some pretty good success against him. He's a guy that comes in with the four ERA. I think his whips around like one, three or something. Been pretty good for them um, so far. Not necessarily overly long. Hadn't had any necessarily dominant outings, but it's been a pretty sturdy starter for them. But Ole Miss had success against him last June. Um, and then are you excited to see this, uh, the college version of Shohei Otani? Because I am. I'm going to this game. Uh, this will be the one game I get to attend on the weekend. So, actually, I can go to all three. Wow. I may I may. Go to Oxford this weekend. Um, we've moved our game up from uh, Friday to Thursday. I may make a weekend out of it. But, yes, I, uh, I am excited to see uh, Shohei Otani. Did he do anything important last night? I don't think so. Um, I 
They played Florida State in a midweek. No, 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 no. I was talking about Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah, he's been quite good with the uh, World <laughs> Baseball Classic. Quick sidebar there. I don't understand the whole World Baseball Classic sucks and is meaningless take. I never. Oh, uh, that was fun. <laughs> I had fun watching it. I, I don't know about you. Like it's 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 a cool tournament that seems to be kind of it's a newer concept. Um, relatively speaking, in terms of like the baseball and sporting events that kind of have history, it's relatively new. But man, you look at those crowds, it's awesome. And you see a guy like Shohei Otani and some of the Caribbean guys playing for their country, and it, it just seems like a ton of fun. I never understood the whole, this look, sucks just because a couple guys on your favorite Major League Baseball team got hurt. I, I get that like the World Series is is the penultimate you know, deal of, of baseball. Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout to win or lose the World Baseball Classic is about as good as baseball gets. Like, like that, that is a that was special. Um, and then you know, Shohei gets the strikeout to win. Obviously, I wanted America to win, but um, that was really, really cool. Um, and I, I'll say this, and and this is a sidebar, and and, and I get that. Um, I think baseball is starting to get in a good place. I think the younger generation is, for whatever reason, starting to like baseball. What do you think of the pitch clock? It's kind of been cool. Like it, it, it seems more. I haven't watched a ton of spring training games. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like a lot more action and kind of can keep your attention a little bit. Have you noticed it at all? Have you, have you paid attention? Um, to it? Yeah, I've watched a few spring training games. It's, it's noticeable. Supposedly, um, I read somewhere, not sure where, where it's not going to be like you can't see it. Um, you know, when with in MLB stadiums. So uh, that'll be good because I I have ADHD and I just watch that thing. I'm like, is he going to throw the ball? Like I I'm the idiot. So involved Hemingway, I couldn't find. They moved the uh like the play clock, like where the the forty second clock. They moved it and I couldn't find it for about a year and a half because every time Ole Miss is on offense, I just watch that thing and make sure they get the snap off in time. Um, which has not been an issue under Lane Kiffin, but um, so I, I need the clock to not be where I can see it. But yeah, no, it's definitely made made a difference. And um, I, you know, the the pickoff rule is the one that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, that's a big deal, man. And and I think you're gonna see a lot more stolen bases because of it. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that kind of translate when you're in big league stadiums and it kind of becomes a real thing outside of the novelty of introducing it for the spring training games, too. Um, of course, the college Shohei Otani that we're referring to is Jack Caglione. I don't know. I think that's yeah. how you say it. It's stud, man. I've heard a variety of announcers say it different ways, too. So that's he's um, pitching for Florida on Sundays as a starter. Got pretty good numbers there. And he's also mashing the hell out of the baseball. Like it's, it's pretty it's, impressive stuff. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this in college in terms of just being oh, a weekend rotation guy and also mashing the baseball. Um, I, the last one I recall, uh, were number 18 and played first base for Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> say, that's a, the only other one I can recall. Yeah. So, oh, who but, is that kid from, but who is that kid from Louisville a few years ago? Oh, uh, he's in the major leagues now. Uh, McKay. Yeah, Brendan McKay. And he was pretty good, but he wasn't doing what he was doing simultaneously. And like, he wasn't doing the batting and the pitching thing. And I, don't get me wrong, Kid was a hell of a player and a weekend guy for Louisville. I think Ole Miss actually beat him. No, Ole they, Miss beat the other kid that was the head case. Beat him. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't doing it as quite the high level. I'm curious if he'll be able to sustain it, but so, I am excited to watch it. I would like Florida to present a PowerPoint on how they got a left-handed kid that throws 97 and hits the ball 115 miles an hour off the bat school. I'm going to need y'all to explain that one to me. How did that happen? I don't know anything about that guy's background. 
I don't know, but he's left-handed and get it up 97 miles an hour. So somebody, somebody tell me how y'all legally got that kid to school. I'm not saying they did anything illegal. I just need to know how. I would like to find that out too. I never even really thought about that. It's like, you're sitting I mean, there watching it and you're like, man, this kid's awesome. And it's like, wait a minute. How's I mean, he on but, campus? Like, what? why is he in college? Hazel? What's, when, what? when you consider it though, like, you know, the, the head coach at the university of Florida is, is a bastion of morality. So I'm sure they didn't do anything wrong. That is true. He probably went to study the leadership aspect, but I don't remember this being talked about a ton last year. Like it's kind of come this year as well. So I don't know, maybe slight, I don't want to call it a late bloomer, but maybe he wasn't that highly rated out of uh, high school Tampa product. If I remember correctly, but you're right. Throws the left hand, throws 90 something miles an hour and hits the ball over the fence. Yeah. Yeah. They probably missed him coming out of Tampa. That's not really a baseball place or something. I don't know. I just, I would like Florida to explain. I'd like to hear that explanation as well. But Ole Miss is going to be up against it, too. It's like Florida's pitched it pretty well, and they've hit it really well. They lead the conference in pretty much every uh, offensive statistical category. South Carolina has hit the ball over the fence more frequently than Florida. But just about that, they're 1A and 1B with LSU um, in just about every category. And that's really going to tax an Ole Miss pitching staff that is reeling right now. I don't even know how to set this question up, but like, what is the formula for success for Ole Miss this weekend on the mound to not get down, you know, six to two in the fourth inning and, you know, first two games and all of a sudden you're chasing, not trying to get swept in a series. Pretty simple uh, to me. Um, Jack Gordy has to be good. Look, I don't even, I'm not even saying they got to win on Friday. I'm saying Jack Gordy's got to be good. He's got to go six innings. He's got to give you a shot on Friday. I just, look, this sounds dumb. But I feel like if Ole Miss loses a three to two game where Jack Doherty gives you seven innings and it just doesn't happen for you, you can live more 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 with that than if you you're down you know five nothing in the fourth, um, and the game's over and you're just having to play out the string again. Um, Jack Doherty's got to be good. He's got to save the bullpen. He's got to give them some some length. And look, this offense has got to be good. Um, I get it. They're throwing dudes, and those dudes are good. And they're probably all going in the first round. Like, you think about it, look at that pitching staff. Um, you know, their Friday night guy maybe the only guy that doesn't go in the first round. Um, and he's coming off a one-hitter complete game against Alabama to open SEC yeah. play. He struck out 11, walked two through, like, 94 pitches and just decided to finish the thing himself. Yeah, you know, I've watched a lot of good pitchers come into OU Stadium and get their ass kicked. Ole Miss needs to kick somebody's ass this weekend. It's it's really that simple. Um I watched Casey Miles get his feelings hurt. Casey Miles was really good. You know, I watched Kumar Rocker lose on that mound. You just it's you similar just type game, by the way. I was going to bring up the Rocker scenario. Remember that was kind of right post Gunner injury. It yeah. felt like their team's back was up against the wall, and it was like, man, they really, really. Granted, you had Doug on the other side, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and. Yeah. But that team was really kind of reeling back up against the wall, and it felt like if they were going to have a chance in that series, they had to win that game one. I believe it was on a Friday night, and they were able to do it. It's a similar vibes there, even though that one was in May and this is March. But this is this is about as important of a – are you ready for a great qualifier? This is sure. about as important of a March series for a team that's coming off a national title as you could possibly find. How about that <laughs> qualifier? There's, that puts a limit on it. <laughs> Yeah, but it is significant for the sake of this season. I mean, you're really going to be behind the eight ball if you I mean, even at one and five, man. You're you're like, man, how do you how do you all of a sudden if you go start one and five, you start looking at it and you're like, where does where did thirteen more wins come from? Who 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 do they play next week? I, I genuinely don't know who who do the, who do they play next week? Next week, I mean, 
believe they are on the road at South A&M? Carolina. No, they went to South Carolina last year. Oh, that's right. It's um, I think it's A and M. No, you're right. It is A and M. A and M. I screwed that up. So then you get Arkansas the next week. You get three home series in April. Look, you can. Here, here's what you can survive. I think. I think you can survive three and six. I think. I think three and six is 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 a decent goal. If you can, you win one of these, you lose one of these. I think you're okay because you still got Mississippi State. You still got Georgia, not very good. You still got Auburn, not very good. You know, you can win six there. You go six and three in those series, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're nine and nine. Um, and then, you know, you've got the three other – or four other series against Arkansas, LSU, Alabama, and uh, Missouri, where you got to find six wins. So, you know, I I think that's, for me, the goal is, is I don't want to put it, you know, so simplistic in the one weekend – I think they've got to go three and three in the next six to feel okay about making the NCAA tournament. And I get at a program that's coming off a national title, uh, you don't want to just simply get into the NCAA tournament. But again, again, some sometimes things happen and you just have to adjust. And I feel like as long as this team is in the NCAA tournament and by the time they get there, they're they're playing good baseball and have their guys back, um, that that's, that that would give you a shot. And it's funny, uh, you know this time last year it would have never been hey just get into the tournament and see what happens but with this team and what's happened and transpired since june it's like well whatever they get into the stanford regional we'll, we'll, we'll take that and see what happens it's crazy how things perspectives can change so quickly because mike had never won a road regional yeah in his entire illustrious career and i, I don't think anybody when Ole Miss got in as the last team in the field last year, it was like, all right, they got a shot. Let's see what they do with it. It was like, okay, does this last till Sunday? Can they maybe ask <laughs> till Monday? Like, when when does the hammer actually drop? It felt well, like prolonging the inevitable. And now it's like, oh, they wouldn't have any problem going on there. Do you get Elliott back? If you just get in the postseason, get a favorable draw in a regional, like, let's do this again. It's I will say it was funny um, when uh, they announced the regional. Like, so, you know, I think me and you both had heard that they had gotten in. And uh, you text me the regional draw, and I'm like, son of a bitch, they could win that. (laughs) (laughs) Once you saw it was Arizona and And Miami. In Miami, it was like, man, like, it it was if you can win the Arizona game, it's just you got nine inning shot to beat that left hander. What was that kid's name? Palmquist? Palmquist? Yeah, it was kind of like basically it was the Arizona draw because it was like, all right, you can beat Arizona. And then all of a sudden, you got Hunter Elliott against that kid see what happens let the cards fall where they may whereas like they could have drawn someone with the real dude on friday as the two seed and it was like ah this is this is going to end saturday afternoon in the loser's bracket yeah oh and then like i get that bracket and then they're like oh yeah um you know just in case they do win it they're matched up with southern miss i'm like you hold on (laughs) yeah (laughs) wait we talked about this at the time, though. You, they, all the years where it was like, man, Ole Miss got kind of boned on that draw. They got a, uh, they they got a favorable one, right? Like if there was if it was good karma, if it was a good break for them to get in, I almost felt like it was just like retribution or like their time coming due to finally getting a decent draw. Do you think that John Cohen got Ole Miss in so uh, so they would, uh, you know? keep Mike uh did, did him a favor and then all of a sudden he looks up and he's like you have got to be kidding me look 
I think John Cohen. We've discussed this before. I uh, think he John not Cohen put Ole Miss in the tournament. That's that's not how that works. Well, I think he vouches for the SEC. He does, and I think having his presence in the room felt. I don't go the full tin full hat guy and go. <laughs> he wanted to keep Mike at Ole Miss because I don't understand what is the path to that. Mike making the NCAA tournament was not going to keep him at Ole no, Miss. No, it was like go to Omaha or bust. And so, you know, at the time, Ole Miss going to Omaha is not good for business or before John Cohen, uh, particularly for a guy who loves who uh, loves to kind of get knee deep in that rivalry at times. You know what I mean? That's not good for business. So, like, I think he vouched for the SEC. I think he likes his buddy Mike Bianco. But the full tinfoil hat of, like, he wanted to keep Mike at Ole Miss, it's like, well, what does that actually look like when you say it out loud? Like, what's the what's the harmless path for State to doing that? You know what I mean? Do you know what would have been worst case scenario for Ole Miss baseball 2022? It would have been losing game three at Pete Taylor Park. Oh, see, you, man, these years are running out. You said 2022, and my mind went to Tucson, Arizona. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, yes, now we're on the same page. Yeah, because that – Oh, my God. I don't even know if I ha- – like, I, I'm not drinking. I don't know if I can go down that hypothetical. What do you do there? I, I mean, whatever. What do you do? You you can't. You don't fire him. I, I, look, I don't understand. I get everybody was upset about, oh, he's in my Omaha. I don't know how you say in your in your brain, um, we're going to fire this coach that's made the Sweet 16 three years. That would never happen in basketball. It would never happen. And I get it. Like, there's more teams that care about basketball. I understand all that. But you're going to fire the guy that consistently has the a top 16 program? Like, that in my head does not make sense. No, you can't make it compute. It was – that was that was just. I, I bet Keith Carter was like ready to jump off the the press box the entire weekend. I don't think he's a huge drinker, but if I'd have seen him roaming the streets of Oxford in like a sleeveless shirt, just like pulling something out of a bottle, I'd be like, I don't blame you, champ. He was so happy when Tim Elko caught that ball. I, I don't blame you there. What a ride that was! And just for the sheer. Mike's career was at such like there was such a bizarre, bizarre career arc. I, for this year, of all the reasons it was cool that they won a national title, I'm glad for this year, for just for this year aspect of not having to try to make sense well, of that career arc. If that I, makes I, it like, I just I, I'm glad there, there there is it is cut and dry now. I'm glad there is not so many what ifs and how do you actually look at this? And it was just one of the more confusing things I've ever covered until they won the whole thing. That made it pretty simple. So. Here's the thing, like I, I, I am glad that a person that is good at their job and does things the right way got rewarded. Like, yes. like you look at the Ole Miss baseball program, and I know we've gotten off topic, but you look at the Ole Miss baseball program. Kids don't get in trouble. They go to class. They graduate. They do good stuff in the community. The coach is involved in the community. Like, it is the model baseball program, and they just for whatever reason had god awful luck. And uh, it it just worked out for him. It's also Mike Bianco is also the uh, like proof that the only thing that matters in college athletics nowadays is wins and losses because they were about to fire the uh, one of the like you know nice or not nicest but one of the you know best human beings on that campus because they didn't think he won enough baseball games. <laughs> that was that 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 just shows you. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying. It's only about wins and losses because the guy that leads the, like the the model program on campus was about to get axed because they didn't think he got he advanced far enough in the NCAA tournament. It just shows you it's WL. 
Yes, yes, it is. And the, honestly, the events that have uh, played out in Ole Miss in the calendar year since have proven that. Well. But you talk about, like, last thing on this, actually, as we record this on a Wednesday night, I heard my second Mike Bianco speech of the year today. Uh, really? Yeah, I went to an, uh, a Learfield IMG seminar today um, because the company I work for, we have one of the com- subsidiary companies sponsors, uh, actually an Ole Miss baseball scoreboard sponsor. Um and so we got, so as a partner, we got invited and it was a great seminar. It was very well done. I was glad I went, but I went today and I heard Mike speak again. But one of the things that honestly stuck out about this, when you talk about doing the right thing and good for the community and all that, one part of his speech where he was talking about kind of having guys that like 19, 22 year olds often kind of want to do what they want to do or young people in general. And he wasn't bashing young people. He was in the midst of a point about like talking about how just kids are different these days. And he's talked yeah. about this, I think on record um, a yeah. couple of times too, but he was like, you know, I can make them do anything. I just can't make them, can't do, make them everything. do everything. And then he yep. said, you know, I have them go read to kids at, you know, the elementary school. And it's like, even if they don't understand, like, he's like, in that instance, I don't really care if they understand if that's a good thing or not. I know it's a good thing. So therefore they're going to do it. And I don't know. I just thought that was like very telling about how the way he conducts himself and his program as much shit as I give him sometimes. Yeah, no, look, it's – I will say this, too. Um, they don't, like – and I know this for a fact. They don't recruit bad kids. They, they will not recruit talented kids if if they're going to be a problem within their um, within their program. They, they, if you're on the Ole Miss baseball team, they have, they have – for the most part, for everything I know, um, they have gauged you as a good kid. Yep, I don't really. I mean, you're right. I mean, they, they haven't had any major major issues. I mean, look, no, they, they have done college stuff. Years. I mean, kind of one of the greatest program ambassadors of all time, and I don't want to minimize what it is, but you know, Doug had like a, I'd say a, a, a foolish slip up at one point, sure. and the dude like showed up ready to read like a prepared statement as if he was like, like it was like the Tiger Woods song again. It was like, dude, like you screwed up. Like you're probably going to get a question about it. But like you, your career's not over here, pal. Like you're not, not having to restore your image. But like <laughs> the way he approached that day, I'll never forget it because he was like, seemed genuinely nervous and was like, all right, I got to get through this. Like, dude, it's not, not, not that, not that big a deal. It's not this. This not- cat threw a one hitter in front of fifteen thousand at Judy Noble. <laughs> he was probably more nervous then. Yeah, no, no kidding. So that was at uh, all but- time. All time sidebar, but uh, do, do you know what? Is there a worse human being on the on the in the earth to call and tell, "Hey, uh, I got in trouble," than probably Mike Bianca? No, I think I'd. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I mean, Coach we did that hypothetical last year where Derek Diamond forgot his jersey, and I like shuddered at the thought of being Derek Diamond telling Mikey forgot a jersey. Can you imagine like real trouble? Oh my god. I'd probably just go in, like, I'd go off the grid. Like, that'd just be it. <laughs> like, you would just, instead of, you know, like, you, you get a DR, DUI or whatever, you just, like, you know what, actually, I'm just going to stay in jail. Jail's actually safer for me. Thanks. Yeah, I'd try the Mexican leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be my next move. <laughs> I'm not going back to practice. Thank you. So, um. Mike Bianco, certified good guy. Last thing for I want to do the old pick segment that I never kept up with, whatever, for exercise sake. Um, it's a big weekend for this offense. Yeah. Because they got dominated by three pretty damn good left-handers from Vanderbilt last week. 
And Ole Miss is not, I mean, look, is, even if Ole Miss pitches it well this weekend, they're not going to pitch it well enough, I don't think, to survive a weekend the way the offense performed last weekend. The good news for them is they're not facing three left-handers. They're facing, what was it, two or one? One. 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 Yeah, okay. I wonder, I was unsure uh, about Waldrop, but I remember he was right-handed. Um, so one. Okay, check a box there. They've had success against Waldrop. The Sprout on Friday night has been pretty tough, but I don't yeah. think it's anything. He's a good Friday night guy in the SEC. Yeah, exactly. It's not like Paul Skeens where it's like, oh, man, like you, like how are you going to get two uh, look, I'm just going back. to put this out there. I don't have the Rebels beating Paul Skeens. I don't either. I wouldn't wager on that. Um, <laughs> so just getting that out there on record. I don't know if I got anybody beating Paul Skeens. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, given that – you know, what kind of the matchup you have on Sunday, that Friday game feels really important. And how Ole Miss fares against a good Friday night arm in the SEC after last weekend's performance, it seems pretty significant, again, for a March series. Because say they get shut out again, or they get, you know, two runs, four hits or something, sure. they really don't do anything. I mean, we probably get here on, here on Sunday night and start having a different conversation about what this offense is, right? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think there's enough proven commodities on there between Gonzalez and Chatagnier and Harris to they will water will find its level with them. But I wasn't really ready to question the offense after a bad weekend last week. I will open the possibility to questions if they have a rough weekend this weekend. Yeah. So, so you, you don't get to be a good offense and just get dominated by good arms. That's not how it works. Like you can get dominated every once in a while. Cause sometimes guys are really good. Um, but you don't get to just, consistently you know be uncompetitive against good arms if you're a good offense you at some point um beat up a good arm look um max scherzer gets beat up jacob Degrom has bad days well not really but you know really good pitchers have bad days besides jacob Degrom. um it it just it just do so you've got to go make something happen and it's funny right um if Ole Miss wins two this weekend and i know the record will be two and four um, I think for the most part, everybody is like, well, it's fine. Like, but it, it, it's funny the difference between what two and four and one and five would be. It's That's just a one massive game. difference. Yeah, it's just one game. But it, if for whatever reason, winning two this weekend versus one um, feels massively, massively different. Um, winning zero is is oh, it, that can't happen. No, wait. I mean, winning zero. I don't. Frankly, I don't really know what the conversation or the outlook is. I guess we'll cross that bridge should we come to it. But you're right. I mean, it's the same thing every year where it's like, you know, it's a 30-game conference season. It's a long season. But at the same time, it's like the per like college baseball is like the perfect conference season where it's like, all right, like not every game matters, but also kind of every game matters. Like, I know that yeah. makes no coherent sense at all, but it's a very weird dynamic where like one get like – one win, depending on where you've been the previous week or what you have in front of you, can drastically change outlook. I think at two and four, they're fine. They go to an A and M, they go to A and M the next weekend. You get three home series in April, probably fine. One and five, it's like, man, how do you how do you make that up and get around five hundred? Particularly when you're not going to have Elliott back until at best mid April. It's a it's a big weekend, and I'm curious to see how it turns out. I will certainly be locked into that. You ready to make some picks and get out of here? Sure. All right, let's pull this up. I've got the D1 site up. If it'll, of course, it won't load for me now that it's come to crunch time. I've had this tab up for half an hour. And then it <laughs> there we go. There we go. Wi Fi is finally cooperating for me. Oh, here's a juicy one Tennessee coming off of uh, getting swept at Missouri. They host AM. 
Ooh. Hmm. A&M wins two. I'm going Vols two with the potential of Vols three because A&M, barring a, like, they had a nice comeback last week to avoid getting swept. Tennessee pitches the hell out of it. Um, and I just I do think- this thing where I pick against Tennessee. It's going to be fun. I'm just you don't you don't even have to ask me the Tennessee series this year. I'm picking the other team. With all the, the with the theme of this podcast so far this year, it did feel like sacrilege picking Tennessee. Yeah, but uh, what are you doing? Whatever for these imaginary uh, uh, picks contest, I'm going to go Tennessee to Alabama hosting Kentucky, fresh off a sweep against Mississippi State, bumps Kentucky into the top 25. I did not watch a ton of this series, admittedly, but I am not sold on Kentucky yet. I think Alabama gets right and wins two here at least. Uh, Alabama was very, very impressive um, at Florida to me. Like, they competed. Um, Florida's just out-talented them. Um, I, I'm a little bit more sold on Kentucky than you are, but I, I still think in Tuscaloosa it'll be tough. I'm, I'm going to go Alabama, too. I won't be shocked if Kentucky wins that, though. Fair, fair. And then, uh, not to – I don't want to turn every week into just dump on state corner here, but I gave you that stat last week. Free uh, prior to all of the games being completed, but the walk total is just absolutely staggering to me. Ole Miss now moving, just climbing up toward the top. They've now allowed the third most walks in the league at 101. Georgia at 102. Would you like to guess at what Mississippi State is at last? 102, 144. Oh, you went high, 135. Um, oh, I don't even know that i that high. That is remarkable um not in a good way but it just is- just thinking 135 and i know there's midweek games um but well you we can do it like this that is 27 walks a week like i know including the midweek games that's so so say four four midweek four games a week that just on average that's i don't know their record uh but let's just say 20 games that's holy god that's like almost seven and a half walks a game i would or six it's almost seven walks a game i would have to stroke and I guess the reason I'm not quite sold on Kentucky yet is just the sheer fact. If you look at the numbers from that Mississippi State series, now uh, Kentucky pulled a game out in extra innings on Friday, and they won yeah. a hard-fought game. But in what world does like any other team not win two, given the way State just handed them the last two on a silver platter? Yeah. So that's um, wow. Um, I it's get that's gonna get weird over there. That's I don't think they're making the tournament, man. I really don't. So that's well, uh, already there. I mean, God forbid you talk about Ole Miss having a huge weekend this weekend. Vanderbilt, three left-handers, pitch it pretty damn well. Offense appears to be rounding a corner. They're in Starkville this weekend. Well, I mean, state drops three in a row and you're 0 and six. Like, what where does that go from? Here's the dirty little secret about Mississippi State, too. Like, we talked about the walks and the pitching. They haven't been good on offense either. No, they have not. Like, not consistent. They had some spots where yeah. it's like, all right, like they, you know, uh that Hunter Hans kid mashes the ball. Um, and then a couple others, but like one through nine, it is not a vaunted lineup by any stretch. So I, uh, I got my eyes on that one this weekend too. I'm going, I'm going Vandy too. I think state gets one somehow. I really don't know how, like, I can't, I can't, I can't present the scenario where state wins the game, honestly. Uh, but I, I, I they, they will, they're going to win a game at duty noble, but I do think Vandy gets two. It's hard to sweep on the road. Yes, it is. Yeah. Georgia, Auburn in Auburn. Ugh. Ooh, oh, I guess Auburn because both teams kind of stink and it's in Auburn and Butch is a better coach than the guy at Georgia. So I'll I'll go Auburn too, but ugh. I uh for the record am going Vanderbilt too also, and then I'm also gonna follow you there at Auburn too. Um just because again, ugh, okay, whatever home team Butch is a better coach. 
Uh, last one before we get to Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, and Baton Rouge. Ooh. LSU, too. I'm not going to pick against they, – it's going to be really hard for me all year to pick against LSU because they're just going to start out 1-0 and every weekend. Yeah, this is going to be an uneventful finish, but I, I don't know what else to pick. I'm going to go LSU, too, as well. Arkansas is a good baseball team that will get a game. It's just hard to see them getting two. And then last one, Ole Miss, Florida. I'm going to go against all – I'm going to Rebs, too, because they just went home series usually. That's just what they usually do. I, I don't I don't really know how. I can't present you the picture. I don't know what it looks like. They just usually get it done. So I'm just – I'm going to pick the Rebs to win two games because that's what they do usually at home against good teams and ranked teams and big weekends. That's just kind of what they do. So um, whatever. I guess I could be wrong. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not. I'm going Ole Miss too as well um, until – I don't know. Again, that's kind of against all logic. They win home games. So Ole Miss too. Those are our picks. He is Colin Brister. I appreciate the time. I'm Manuel Harchie Sunday. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right, that'll do it for our show. Appreciate you listening. As always, we'll be back with our Sunday SEC baseball conversation. Probably check in with Weldon on spring football next week. And a lot of great stuff coming down the pipe. Have a wonderful weekend.